Oh, shall we start? Um, hi there, guys. Uh, we're at a new episode, and today we have Robbie Rob and Eddie. Would you like to say hi, guys? Hey. Hello. So uh, we were just talking about the Olympics, and a uh, quick. So what is this dude? He got fired for comments he made that were. Originally, it was uh, during the Olymp uh, comedy show in the nineties, ninety-eight. I believe he said that, and, um, <laughs> like, oh, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. I, and he, I, so I bought a new piece of equipment, right? Yeah. That plugs into the receiver with headphones yeah. so people can actually hear their oh. voices <laughs> because I can promise yeah. it because it sounds like somebody's like talking to you like this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. So, so he made, uh, he made, uh, some, no, this was it. He said, yeah. he said that women talk yeah. too much at meetings and many female doctors would take a lot of time. Yeah. That's, that's what I was talking about. He said he was specifically referring to um, the fact that uh, that women talk too much and that meetings with many female board directors would take a lot of time, which naturally <laughs> you'd think would be uh, met with quite a lot of uh, but backlash. What, but what kind of response was he hoping for, though? I know. I mean, <laughs> what, 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 were you, what were you expecting? Yeah, I, I'm also... I, I don't know. Like, I just don't know who for, for for what audience was he saying that to? Was he saying that to, like, a private event? Or was he, like, writing that on a shirt? And, like, telling whoever he could hear? I think the message the message was conveyed in perhaps a way that could have been slightly more worded in a PC fashion for the for the 21st century. Yeah. But, uh, or he can just keep his opinions to himself yeah, exactly. and, and, uh, and not have to worry about losing his job, I guess, right? Japan is weird that way. Well, so is the US. Although his, his comedy sketch included setting fire to paper dolls. Okay, now that's a different comment. If it's a comedy sketch, then that's very different than making that like on a public, like uh, circuit. Oh no, 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 the, the women one, I'm not sure. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Because yeah. I was about to say, now you're criticizing comedians for yeah. jokes. <laughs> but and when you talk about the Olympics, it has been it has been an event that has really unified the world right now in a time where we need it. Because has it? I feel it has. I feel that. I feel that to see people coming together in a sporting capacity, in spite of COVID, in spite of restrictions, seeing people coming together and winning gold medals for their countries, for example, the Philippines, they won their first ever gold medal at the Olympics. I think first medal period. In what, and what field? It was in weightlifting. In weightlifting, weightlifting yes. A female weightlifter. Yeah, but that's because Russia, Russia wasn't allowed to be this year. That's no, why. Russia... The, so, fun fact. Um, if you've seen ROC on your screens, it stands for the Russian Olympic Committee. And that stems from the fact that Russia as a nation cannot compete that's in I'm the saying. Olympics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, at first I thought perhaps... Athletes coming in. Oh, do yeah. they? Yeah. they? Oh, they just still, not the country. They still, they still have their <laughs> athletes coming in, but they compete under the name ROC, and they are specifically not allowed to have anything that pertains to the word Russia mentioned or um, appear on any of their uniforms or in the press. So No national anthem either. What about USSR? Could they have that on? <laughs> <laughs> it's not Russia, guys. It's USSR. <laughs> it's totally different. Yeah. But... How about the... Yugoslavia uh, also competing. I was <laughs> watching a, uh, a highly contentious uh, ping-pong match, and it was... Uh, that guess that what, it word was, was never spoken in English, by the way. That's the first time. Brand highly sentence. Yeah, highly, highly contentious, highly contentious <laughs> ping-pong game against none other than China and Hong Kong. Imagine that. So Hong Kong have their own, <laughs> have their own participating body, and then the rest of China are China. I just can't believe they they didn't like stab that player that they that they actually managed to show up at the event. He wasn't just thrown down a flight yeah, exactly. of stairs or something like that. <laughs> Has that always been the case of, uh, of of Hong Kong participated on their own? I don't know. I really don't know. I don't think they did. I don't I think, think so. it's, it seems I, to make sense that they probably would. No, Hong Kong always competed in like their own sports. Okay. I'm sure of it. No, that's that, I'm just googling the Olympic history. <laughs> <laughs> well, keep but, googling, boy, because there's a lot to search. Another another fun fact is the University of Bath. For those viewers outside of the United Kingdom, the University of Bath had five alumni that won medals. So, if the University of Bath itself appeared on the medals table, it would appear higher than most competing countries. Just yeah. just the university. 
But what, what do you explain that phenomenon for? They just like they're just very very good, a very sporting university. So do you think they they? Yeah, so with Loughborough, right? Loughborough yeah, and and Loughborough as well, yeah. So oh, yeah. by the way, Hong Kong has competed in every Olympics since 1952. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yeah. Didn't didn't know that. Except except the 1981 But I I think that uh, it only was funded recently, like 18th century, no? as a British colony obviously. on the subject subject of that I heard a, the weirdest conspiracy yet that world fairs never actually happened and that they were just propaganda <laughs> I don't really realize like they're like saying like oh these newspaper articles that were written in the 18th century are all fake and they were never <laughs> in all these states that definitely sounds like something that happens in a lot of these conspiracy th sites yeah hollow earth that's that's another one I mean, I, I, I don't understand who, who sits there and reads it and then goes, hmm, I, I see some logic to this, yeah. I've dug holes, I understand this concept. And there are excuses always, you can't disprove it, prove I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you prove a negative? Well, there, which is the weirdest ones you've heard? We've heard Flat Earth. I've heard Hollow Earth, I think was a bit weirder. Hollow Earth? Yeah. Well, I, I think you've got you've to take into account some of the... Uh, some of the covid anti-vaxxers that think that the uh think that the, the powers that be are injecting us with uh 5g chips five 5g chips or something you know that 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 has to be said that's yeah. definitely been a, yeah. a product while, while, while they carry their phone in their pocket that can do exactly the same things that that, that, the that is that is a very fair point the way i see the the i think this applies more to the middle east i think and maybe asia than it does in in europe and america for now I see it as an access point of more control, like with the terrorism that happened, and then suddenly we can't have shoes anymore on while we're going to the airport. And I think that's the same thing that's going to happen. It, it's just going to create barriers of entry and just to, to, to infringe on, on individual rights because you're just going to have to have vaccine passports. Now, whether or not your passport is real or fake, it doesn't matter. It's just an arbitrary thing. You get what I mean? I mean, haven't you had a vaccine passport for your childhood inoculations? But that, yeah, yeah, sure. But I never had it. I never had it presented while I was going to a club, or a pub, or anything else like that, right? I think all all of a all of a sudden these uh, these influencers who thought that they uh, they uh, they were they were suggesting that it's a bad idea to get the vaccine and realize that they're going to be unemployed soon if they can't enter any establishment because they have such views. So. Uh, any influences out there? Get your first jab. But but that's that's get your second if you're over forty. Well we'll take that up to a ten, right? Like let's say it's right now just COVID. But what happens if you have to have a jab every time you have like a winter flu or summer flu, right? And that's then tied financially. Let's say it's it's like once every two once every six months and it's a hundred quid. But you're but you're in, you're employed on basis that you have these uh, uh, expenditures. Do you get what I mean? That yeah. that that th yeah. that stuff worries me more than all that kind of conspiracies about like whether or not government tracks you or. But but how about how about in uh, I feel like, for example, in in the Middle East, let's take Abu Dhabi. When you go to Abu Dhabi, if you're back in this was back in 2020, so last year, if you entered the country, uh, this was when COVID was pretty pretty strong. You were given what is essentially a watch but it's actually actually a, a tracker it, it is a tracker for all intents and purposes you can't take it off and it's, it's a bit like a bit like being under house arrest but mm. obviously they're doing that because they wanted to really cull and stop the spread of coronavirus in the emirate of abu dhabi which is fair enough i mean you know that's it's a good it's a harsh harsh method to, to to use but effective and you know because they did that um case numbers were, uh, were were very low but if you can imagine people you think the delta variant which spread like absolute wildfire if people had to be under, essentially under house arrest but monitored periodically essentially the, they were they were unable i mean you can you can very easily for example you could very easily leave if you're being tracked on your phone activity you could leave your phone at home and go for a walk if you've got a wristband that that knows the technology is there to to know if you've tried to take it off, like if you're under house arrest and you tried to cut off your ankle or whatever, yeah, yeah, you know you, you're in trouble. You know it's, they're gonna they're gonna call you up and they're gonna say, hang on a minute, why have we sensed this uh, sudden spike in uh, 
in, in activity. Say, that, I mean, that stuff actually worries me more. Like that normalization of Big Brother, and that, because Amazon warehouse employees already have that, where they have like that wristband tracker that tells them which part of the department they're in, whether they're in the bathroom or not, or break room. That kind of stuff is is eerie. Yeah, I I agree with you, Michael. But I think I think the the most important thing here in 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 the UK and London is that. It is not as it exactly, and it's not man. It is not. It's not a legal requirement for everybody to use track and trace. We're encouraged to do so, but it's not. It's not legally. We aren't going to get in trouble for, let's say, deleting the app or not quarantining when we're supposed to be quarantined because we have people would would uh, would of course. Uh, ex- execute uh, you know they, they'd want to they'd want to assert their right to freedom of freedom of movement freedom of uh, you know whatever, yeah. whatever. but uh, to a certain extent it's been to our detriment look at where we are now we're we're, <laughs> we're almost 18 months into the pandemic and we're still we're still and in a pretty bad to, shape to be heard uh, the daily cases have risen today over yesterday but we're compared to last week we are actually down which is a positive trend Right, and the in general scheme of things. The uh, I think the government were worried because the the data suggested uh, huge declines in people, you know, being told to isolate and uh, exposure. But they were worried that that's in part because so many people have deleted the app and yeah. uh, decided that there they was, don't want uh, to be. There was an uh, article today in the BBC which was specifically about, um, well, restaurant owners telling their staff to delete the app so they wouldn't be understaffed during this period of time but speaking of restaurants let's talk about restaurants here and it's it's nobody's fault i mean the hospitality industry has been under a lot of uh, a, a lot of a lot of pressure but i've booked things months ago i've booked things i booked three or four nice things months and months ago and out of bad luck or whatever reason three out of the four of those nice restaurant bookings have been cancelled due to various coronavirus related issues for example uh, I was going to go to a nice hotel in the countryside which has a very nice restaurant and they sent us a message saying that because somebody had been in contact or somebody had contracted the virus the whole hotel and restaurant had to shut for at least 10 days meaning that everybody that had booked to stay or to eat at the restaurant and I've been looking forward to it for months, like myself, was told, I'm afraid we can't do anything about it. We can't rebook you because we're fully booked until 2022. <laughs> um, and the same thing happened to me today where a restaurant called me up out of the blue and said, we're deciding to close every Monday in August. Um, it's been a hard decision. Well, that's all very well, but I mean, for somebody that's moving been... moving your date, uh, yeah. Exactly. I mean, I, 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 I just, I'm, I'm fed up of having to change my plans and having my plans change because it's beyond my beyond my control i mean you 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 make plans you book a book a special place look forward to it only to be told you know two weeks before or a week before sometimes that i'm sorry but you can't go and there's no space left especially if you put 20 quid as a down payment already for that table exactly (laughs) It's, it's also it's not specifically the 20 quid it's always well, I wanted to go on the Monday. Now you, t- mm. I've got to figure out a new schedule. For example, maybe I, I can I can go on a Sunday, but yeah. I don't want to go on a Sunday. I want to go on a Monday. But who's who do you think is to blame on this? Is it the the uh, Tory well, policies? Well, no, with, this with this is specifically not. Uh, his one was not actually related to um, track and trace. His was the restaurant just randomly decided to change policy and have a day off on Monday. Sure, sure, but yeah. I mean, this is a more of a general problem in the sense of look how far booked it is look at how like you have restaurants that are booked out till 2022 right and then you have also restaurant employees telling them you have to delete the app in order to keep your job because we can't have we can't be understaffed and then you have another separate problem where where staff often are this is more centered around the u.s less here in the uk where minimum income for for these jobs have increased so much quicker than the ability for restaurants to afford their staff so the end point is that the consumer has to pay more in order to for the same so we did the math like like uh, last week ago where we figured out that an average pub if they're lucky makes about 70k a year now 70k a year is not a lot of money considering that you're stuck running with four employees you have rent to pay you have a mortgage maybe if if you uh, uh, bought any kind of machinery anything like that that's tough 
That's really tough. And that's 70k profit, by the way. Yeah. They make around 700,000 revenue on average in London. Yeah. That's that's tough. Yeah. That's really tough. That's right. Uh, we saw we saw the average uh, t uh, weekly turnover was something like 5,000 pounds. And on a good day, for example, the way day we went, they were quite happy about making, was it five, that same sort of turnover on a day? He claimed it was 5,000 pounds, but according to our math, there was no way that was... Yeah, we thought, we thought they were close to about 3,000. 3, yeah. Because he's, he's got his prices somewhere wrong, or he's imagining a lot more customers coming in than yeah. not, or he's selling credit cards, because there's no way he's hitting Although, 5,000. To be fair, we could have been quite wrong. We, don't, we, came, we went in at about 7, so they might have had a previous batch of people going through. But think about it, just basic mass, right? If every person buys a beer, right, which is a fiver, right? Let's just Probably, I th I'd say people usually buy two or three beers, right? But let's say it's just, just say, like, buy five, yeah. five for a beer, right? So that means yeah. for, for, to make 5,000, you need 1,000 beers. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So how 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 many people can will realistically drink a portion of that? Three. Yeah. Right. So you're then with three hundred and thirty-three. Right. Yeah. Based. Yeah. We we assumed at best two hundred people would have passed through. Yeah. It's not, exactly. It wasn't a big pub. Yeah. But no, are people really drinking six pints? Like every Unlikely. single person. Unlikely. We we did, but. We, yeah. Exactly. But perhaps we, during the Euros. Yeah, but every single person that way. I, yeah. I, I don't believe it. Yeah. I don't believe it. Perhaps during the Euros, as you said, yes. Mm. <laughs> I mean, again, Mo, you've been you've been in the Gulf for the last couple of months. Has has the is it hard to get a booking? Is it harder to get a booking in a nice restaurant, for example, uh, at a, at a good hotel? Are they only are they only allowing hotel guests to dine or? You know, is it, is it pretty easy to get a booking? Because here in the UK, I mean, especially in London, some of the restaurants, you need at least three months if you really want to go to a nice yeah. place to celebrate something. If or, you're not, if you can't, popular one, yeah. you, 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 even even a month, you're, you're, you're not, you're not going to get availability. Or if you get availability, it will be for something like either lunch at 12 or dinner at 4.30. Yeah. Well, this, this is what I meant with government policies and stuff like that, because they have a huge implementation on how businesses further on run in restaurants, right? Because they have to anticipate and think about how things might happen and change and have to pre-plan those kind of decisions. In Bahrain, um, it was only eat out. You can only eat outside, not inside, which is great when it's summer and it's like 35 degrees uh, in the shade. Uh, if you're lucky, like around 12. If it's around 2, you're close to 40. So there's no one eating outside, right? The the small restaurants can't afford these outside ACs. Large restaurants can. Uh, the large restaurants, however, don't have the necessary, uh, not personnel, but customers who would allow them to keep them on float. So there was a lot of takeaways and a lot of takeouts. Um, that was about it. It yeah, was it I was mean, a big struggle. Over here, the restaurants tried to adapt by offering the meal kits. Mm. Uh, yeah, and the meal kits, for some restaurants, it must be immensely profitable. For example, a steakhouse. You can mm. still probably price your meal kit at £100, get a dinner for two. And what what does the beef probably cost them? Not more than twenty quid. Yeah, but much, we're talking much less, right? But we're and talking about London, uh, 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 Londoners, maybe Birmingham, true, maybe yeah. Liverpool, maybe Manchester. Maybe, yeah, maybe big cities. Of big course, cities, yeah. yeah. But small cities, they're not going to be able to afford no, of that. Course not. Yeah. Of course not. Yeah. The village pub ain't going to be able to do it. Exactly. You're, yeah. You your local you Chinese takeaway yeah. ain't going to be able to you do that. You can't scale up. You have to hope that your your one chef in your village pub will be able to come in and possibly cook for a few people and send it out or hope that the fellow scheme would have given you enough as a pub owner to, uh, to make sure you're to not have to pay your staff which was the ideal thing but it doesn't it doesn't help people who are self-employed like the pub owner we're also forgetting yep. hairdressers oh yeah hairdressers of course they're all self-employed yeah or contractors of course, yeah they, they basically just buy a chair to work at a at a hair salon but i think i think with with hairdressers the the pandemic's given them almost more more freedom and uh, to to go and see their customers wherever they are, wherever they may be. That's illegal, even, mate. That's illegal. They even no, not we do not condone this one. <laughs> even even uh, even um, they get now, fined as well. That's like a thousand pounds. Now, if you're if you're a free, you can be a freelance hairdresser. Surely you can be you can do what you can do what you uh, you can cut cut. Uh, for example, not not during the not during peak COVID, but now if you're a hairdresser. And your client doesn't want to come to the salon. You go to their home. It's legal. It's perfectly legal to do that at the moment. Yeah, but the the question is, is it worth taking out probably not a two to three hours to go to your salon's your client's home? Sorry, 
and at, that's three day, three hours. You, you could have had three clients at your at your seats in your but in your it, shop. but yeah. but again, right? You go to you go to somewhere in the West Midlands to get just a quick shave. What? That's like seven quid, eight quid. In the West Midlands, I was talking maybe, more about not in London. London, you're oh, London, not, yeah, not, you're not like twelve pounds, yeah. thirteen pounds. I, I was talking right? more about more about female hairdressing, which takes a, a oh, lot longer. Yeah, where yeah, you're where course, you're actually yes, where you're actually there, and you have to spend hours doing the coloring. Uh, the uh, oh yeah, that, the, that, that that to be fair is is quite a possibility because if you're doing that uh, um, at your at your client's home, you're not paying. You may not have to pay your uh, your well, whoever you're buying the seat from. I believe my barber was telling me when he moved to start his own place, they would take 70% of the... Income. In, uh, yeah, basically. That's what you pay your... Seven, you t um, they charge whatever it was, 40, 45 pounds for a haircut. 70% of that goes to the barber shop. That's brutal. 30%, yeah, exactly. Which is why he thought so much better just to set up and rent. And his specific thing when he hired a new barber... And I thought it was quite high. He was doing forty percent, but so at forty at forty pounds at at seventy percent interest. Seventy percent. Seventy percent. So thirty percent take home. Uh, take home. Uh, no, yeah, yeah. So yeah. thirty. So seventy percent is interest. But he doesn't. Yeah. He have to. He, yeah. That's that's payment. He has to. Yeah, exactly. The forty yeah. has yeah. to give seventy exactly. to them, right? Yeah. That leaves you with twelve pounds. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which is why when, from forty quid, yeah, right? Yeah. Which is why when he set up his own place. Can you imagine that? Yeah. Can you imagine getting 40 quid, crisp 40 quid, hand in your pocket, and then you get to take 12 home? Yeah. <laughs> hey, why, why do you think so many of them have enjoyed uh, not, 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 having the, uh, not having to be uh, tied down to one, one place? Yeah, and well, yeah but that's travel time yeah. and distance, But, but when, he, when he's talking about, like, uh, barbers, or not barbers, sorry, hairdressers for women, like, with their full color cut, and that's wash. three. That's, that's three hundred quid. 350 quid. And that the difference and it's between cash. that. Yeah, yeah. Cash, yeah but you, you guys are yeah. assuming that women are still doing hair colors and stuff like that. Makeup, for example, is down. Chanel's struggling. Dior's struggling. All of them, because they're like saying, "Well, th this is whole market. People are staying at home. They're not socializing. They're not giving a shit about how they look on their Zoom call." So that's that's true. Yeah. That's a good point. Mate, I, and I I doubt that. I mean, I I'm not. I've haven't heard a hairdresser. Or or barber not crying. I've yeah. only heard yeah, them course, crying. Course. Yeah, yeah, not because, a single one of the said, "Yeah, life has been pretty yeah. good, mate." No, no, of course, of course, they were all self-employed, right? It's for for most of them, they didn't get the furlough scheme either. But think about it. Even if you calculate distance, right? If 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 you're a barber and you're making twelve cut haircut now, yeah, yeah, and I'm now going to to you or Robin or whoever. I have to have that travel distance booked yeah, in, right? Course, that's yeah. 30 minutes, at least one yeah. way, another way, 30 minutes. Yeah, so and that's and if I have a car. Yeah, exactly. That's, it's, it's even by two, but it's, it's still, uh, well, one haircut will take about two hours, basically, now, instead of your one haircut taking one hour. Yeah, exactly, not but three, you have to calculate that into your price then, no? Exactly, yeah. Does the, the extra 30, uh, 38 pounds make up for it. Yeah, but how, how quick does a barber earn 40 quid on average? I would say about, what, 30 minutes? How Every, long does a barber shop take? 30 minutes, an right? Hour, right? If, if you're charging 40, I'd say it probably takes, you, takes an hour, right? So uh, you say oh, an hour, yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, but you're taking home as 12, remember? Yeah, of course, yeah. So, so yeah. I, I would, okay, so, so let's say yeah. an hour. So if, if, if... About uh, three, about every three hours, you would earn roughly Sorry, 40 quid. Uh, yeah, three hours, give or take. Yeah, but I was thinking that, so if you have to calculate two hours for, for a job, yeah. you're, on, you're, you're coming home, uh, you'd have to book in, what, two, uh, uh, 24 pounds? That would be your yeah, yeah, cost price, be right? Hours, because yeah. it's, yeah, it's 12 hours yeah. generally. Yeah. So if, I, if, if, if it's a one hour haircut, but it takes me two hours yeah. to do the haircut, exactly. I have to charge Addy yeah. 24 quid, right? Yeah. Or you charge the regular rate. The forty pounds. That's also a very, very. That's also true. You'd you'd want to charge also a markup on that then, right? True. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. You yeah. might You might just charge travel distance separate. But do you think enough barbers barbers are are business astute enough to to not be like yo no, mate I'll come to your house and I'll yeah. give you a discount? I think I think it's a bit. Uh, yeah. I think. I it's think a bit, it's that yeah. way. I don't think a lot of barbers yeah. are like yo mate. I'll, yeah. I'll pay, pay me sixty quid. I'll come to your house. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. No. No. I think I think you're right. Otherwise, more of them would be setting up their own barber shops. When my barber was telling me about it, and he was talking about hiring the next barber, he was like, "I'll give him a discount on the, on the usual rate they pay. So instead of taking seventy percent, he'd take forty or fifty percent, and it's still beneficial to him to sell the second chair. Sure. But for any other barber he's hiring, for them it's a massive increase, right? Sure. I mean, they, they, you don't also and that's, forget that's rare. 
if like, if you're traveling good. barber a traveling barber <laughs> it's like we're going back to the middle ages <laughs> no if you're a traveling barber I, I you'd have to first have that client base set up right yeah of do, course. in the middle east don't large organizations sometimes have their own barbers they employ people literally for the sole purpose of uh looking fresh of, of, exactly no i, I don't disagree yeah, yeah I, I think i think client base is quite quite easy to do in london I think a lot of Londoners, at least in the area we're in right now, so Shoreditch and East, everyone trusts a, a, their barber. You don't cheat on your barber, you cheat on your girlfriend, but <laughs> we cheat on your barber. I, I'd have to disagree with that. <laughs> Strongly. I'm, I'm not saying. <laughs> He's already back rowing. He's very quickly going back. <laughs> no, it's just a saying, by the way. You know. It's not... It's not. <laughs> Glad we cleared that one up. It's not like she's listening. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking, it's not like BBC all, all One. Full of viewers. <laughs> um, I can't believe that Emma talked shit about it. Now we're gonna have to talk shit about Emma live. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> With her KFC addiction. Robin is looking out in the distance. He's like KFC. That would be good. Zinger I was just talking to Addy about this earlier. McDonald's are uh, McDonald's have got a, their new McSpicy or whatever it's called, and I was trying to think, you know, how would that how would that rate versus a, a Zinger burger? What are you talking about? How does a Zinger burger rate to a KFC burger? I don't no, know, no, mate. No, we Mc, can do a channel about it. Ma, taste test. Ma, no, McDonald's. Yeah, McDonald's have we, a new yeah. burger called the McSpicy. We can do that, right? We can buy. Yeah, we'll, we'll buy a McSpicy and we'll buy, we'll buy three McSpicies. And, we'll and Zinger. buy three Zinger burgers. And we'll see, ask, see we'll what ask, the difference uh, is. We'll ask Chris or whoever's at the bar that day to put it on plates separately. See and, if we can and, and he only he will know so to double blind to single blind. Sorry, it'll be a exactly. Blind. Well, a double blind, we'd have to also forget yeah, exactly. <laughs> which yeah. one is which. Sorry, so it'll be a single blind test, and we'll we'll see which one's better. Well, uh, well although we might be able to tell the difference from the how the burgers look. So, <laughs> well, we don't see the burgers, but well, we know what a single. Guys, guys, like. what's what's the show called? Unsolved Truths, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> exactly. I think we we've got the market down. We're gonna get these <laughs> burger KFC and. <laughs> this video, when KFC ran out of chicken. It's, we're watching a video just now about when KFC ran out of chicken. <laughs> that is brilliant. So KFC emergency. Yeah, basically, in the, in the UK, see, in a few years ago in the UK, um, KFC switched delivery so, uh, del uh, d distributor to DHL and DHL I somehow this. messed up yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. For out of the thousand odd KFC restaurants in across the country less than 500 had chicken which was which is shocking for a chicken chain I, I can't imagine that they couldn't go to Tesco's yeah. and, and Morrison's and buy that chicken <laughs> as well they, they just was like it's cheaper yeah. to close yeah. the business down exactly. for a week exactly <laughs> They're not paying. They're not paying the what three quid. It, uh, three quid it is for a few chicken breasts. Four chicken breasts. I had KFC. I, surprisingly, yeah. I was in 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 Namibia, and they had KFC down there, and it was very very different than what you find yeah. here. No, it's, that, it's very that different happens. everywhere, man. That happens. In in the, they they change the spice recipe slightly to cater for local tastes. Mm. I in heard India, India in as well as in India, it's much much spicier. Like I heard, like I heard people who who had KFC in India saying it's not even the same experience. It's not you can't compare. It's like like night they, and day. They even have grilled chicken in India. Oh shit, yeah. that's like Nando's already. They're recording <laughs> it on that market. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Nando's aren't there yet. So I think Nando's might be there now. But oh, no. I was in Delhi craving a beef burger, and lo and behold. Uh, Beef, you cannot, you cannot find a beef burger. Yeah. No, I'm sure you can. You can no, you, um, well, they, they used I'm to, sure but no, can, it's, it's got a lot now, worse. What they've done now is uh, sort of cornered the market with buffalo meat, which tastes similar to beef, but a lot leaner. I, I, really? Is it, I thought lean, would, I thought buffalo would be fatter. No, buffalo meat for or some reason richer. is much leaner. Hmm. Yeah, the yeah, milk, I, the milk I, is yeah. when I, I went several years ago, and I, I, uh, I, I was fascinated by it. So I was asking, I was like, so... So you you genuinely can't find a beef no, burger. No, funnily enough, a few years ago there was one uh, restaurant in a uh, five star hotel that actually imported uh, A5 Kobe. Oh right. And that was that. And was they the were burned only, down. That was the only beef you could. Yeah, really only 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 Good for them. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, I'm guessing just basically they didn't have enough clientele or they didn't advertise it well enough. It was just sort of vaguely known to usually to. 
But a lot of chefs make that mistake, sadly. I mean, f- first of all, we have on our on our podcast a chef, a trained chef, out of here. But I, I feel that a lot of chefs make that mistake in that they get really high quality ingredients, they overstock yeah. without realizing how much they're going to go through. Because exactly. realistically, yeah, that's that's always there. I mean, that's that's your first your first few months. In fact, is you have to consider it a loss. You always when you when you get it in, you're going to oh, you're going to have to overorder because underordering's a lot worse. Well, you, if under you, ordering, if you, you just say it's not on the menu, right? Yeah, but, uh, but that can that can get worse and worse because oh, that's at, at the point true. you might be, you might not be able to find a, a supplier that will come to you tomorrow. You might be you might have bought bought for the week or or for the next three days, for example, and then now you're gonna have to tell your your distributor. I I reckon I reckon need it's, something fast. It's a sales pitch as well because I think yeah. it's a built-in model where they they say that the fish is actually sold out. Yeah. In order to insinuate yeah. right scarcity. Yeah. And that's, I. That's that's devious. That's, it's a devious <laughs> idea, but I'm not sure it'll work because your 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 the bad uh, side of it might be your customer will go and say, "Oh, don't bother going there. They never have anything." Yeah, okay, <laughs> but that's to the other extreme. Like, how many restaurants have you gone to in the past that they didn't have that fish that you wanted? Plenty of times yeah. for me. Yeah, fish, I, yeah I, I agree yeah. with that. The daily specials, yeah, but a lot of them build it around that scarcity. But for example, let's say Goodman's mm. that we do actually like going to. Their specials board is their special boards uh, board, and sure. you you're okay with it if you if you come in late and they don't have the special of the day left that's fine but they still always have your usual steak on the menu that two 300 gram sirloin sure, sure it's sure. always there the base the base exactly and that's the issue with the first few months of restaurants you when you create your basic menu unless you're doing a sort of concept restaurant where all you do is you got you get your suppliers to provide you with only the specials of the day even with that you need to see uh when you're setting up you don't really know how many reservations you're going to get on the day but you you take in some sort of leeway, but in most of those you want to pre-book it. But you also get your staff to also push products that are of course yeah. not selling of right course, or yeah. as that's, much. That's always there. Yeah, I mean, so for the audience who doesn't know, if you're pissed off at a restaurant, like really pissed off, and you you want to get something back at them, uh, get the most expensive wine because they don't earn yeah. anything on the exactly. most expensive wine. Uh, we we actually walked past. Uh, we we thought it was a club at first. It was called F. Y E O or something like that, and we we just saw a massive line, and there were a bunch of people completely glammed up, like your just your typical club-going audience in the high-end, higher-end, high-end club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, they were they were all there, and then we found out later it's a strip club, <laughs> but, um, which which was strange because there were an awful lot of women in that line we, waiting. Yeah, to get but in. women love going to strip clubs. Yeah, they love it. They love it because they they get they're like right? one of the guys, just one of the yeah. guys yeah. going out. Yeah. But yeah, well, when you, we, you were saying on on their yeah. menu they had yeah we, like uh, a, we had a, a very look at exclusive. the menus yeah we had look at, we had the look at the menu as well for drinks and the cheapest drink uh, for a uh, for a double shot a fifty mil serving was eight pounds the most expensive and that was whiskey so that's club prices though a Jameson yeah that's expensive but you go for the more expensive ones uh, a nicker from the barrel that was only thirteen for a double and uh, because, because they don't make margins on exactly, that yeah, exactly yeah that one they don't make margins and the worst one we saw was. Um, uh, uh, Remy Martin, Louis the Thirteenth. Sorry, Louis the Fourteenth. My apologies. And uh, was it Thirteen or Fourteen? It's Thirteen. Sorry. Yes. And uh, basically, if you were to buy a single shot of it, that's one hundred twenty pounds a shot. If you were to buy the bottle, twenty six fifty or something around there, which is about what you buy at retail. Yeah. In fact, it might be a little bit cheaper than I've seen in most retail shops. Yeah. It it yeah. it it is it is fascinating on how that duality exists yeah. because. You're not getting it cheaper. Most of these places do not get such a significant discount unless it's a cheaper bottle of wine. Well, I mean, they can't go. Uh, there's a minimum price anyways in the UK. Yep. Even if you wanted to, yep. to say, right, exactly. we're not going to make yep. any profit because we're going to yep. increase the, the foot traffic. Yep. That's been that's been tra- uh, that's been a fairly recent law because I remember going to a, a wine shop uh, when I was buying for a society and they bit, the guy at the shop said, oh, our parent company bought a ton of wine and we can't move it at all. If you buy all of what we've got in stock, I'll give it to you for. I think he sold it for four pound a bottle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was not. It wasn't bad wine. It was just whatever they priced it at was. Well, I I knew worth a, it. I knew a place in in Worcestershire that sold a pint a pound. Uh, uh, yeah, pint yeah, a we, pound. I've, I've, we've had we've been. But those to, are in, members only. No, or, we've, or we've been to, in Edinburgh. There was a pub uh, near the uni uh, that uh, on on student two, night. Yeah, no, no, Monday to Thursday. I'm pretty sure. If you had a student card, pints were one pound fifty. 
This was in peak Edinburgh, just off the Royal Mile. I, I think, I think, I don't know what the minimum price is set by the UK, but I think it's around a pound I, fifty, something a pound yeah, something. Yeah. I don't uh, think it's I quite do, two. I don't think, uh, I don't think it might, I'm not sure if it's there anymore. Robin's going. In he can check time. it out. I'll yeah. be able to tell you. <laughs> <Yes>. Yeah. <laughs> Does anyone have a student card? <laughs> is it a Monday? Is it a Thursday? <laughs> I'm Just going. Go I'm going back to my beloved Edinburgh uh, for for the first for the first week of the Fringe, and I don't know how it's going to be this year because it's going to be a very different Fringe. Usually, there are thousands and thousands of international yeah. people that descend yeah. upon Edinburgh. This year, it's scaled back. It's still going ahead, which is great. Some of the shows are going to be in person. Some of them are going to be online. Uh, a lot of tickets. I don't think they're going to sell as many tickets. But Edinburgh, in the month of August, Edinburgh. It's full of people from all over the world. This year, I think it's going to be a far more national crowd coming from all corners of the UK to try and uh, see, see the Fringe. I don't think you're going to see as many people traveling in because it's hard. I think there are certain restrictions in place to coming in. And a lot of the theater troops or acts that would usually come in mm. aren't able to fly or travel. Having said that, the uh, the the infamous Lady Boys of Bangkok are back for hey. their 35th, 35th year. Uh, I might have booked tickets, but uh, <laughs> if anyone wants to go with Robin, <laughs> send us the message on Twitter, and we'll try to organise something. But they, I, I believe, I believe they tour, uh, they tour most of the UK, so they're probably here most of the year anyway. But uh, Robin's, they a, are. Robin's a paid-up gold member; he goes every week. <laughs> it will, it, contrary to popular opinion, it will be my first time. <laughs> and, first uh, time in public, he means. <laughs> And uh, there's a famous a show Ru- RuPaul RuPaul's Drag Race. I don't know if you've seen it, Michael or Eddie. It's been very yeah. popular on Netflix, highly highly watched over the uh, over the pandemic. And I think a lot of people have now now uh, interested at least to uh, to see what it might be like. So I thought, you know what? Why not Why not give it a go? It's supposed to be one of the highest rated shows in the Fringe. Yeah, but are you going? So, are you going because of your misses? I'm be going, honest now. I'm I'm going. Be honest. I'm going out of curiosity myself, but also uh-huh. I'm going with somebody. Uh-huh. So <laughs> who's not his missus? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I thought I thought it'd be a fun a fun experience for uh, for, uh, for to because you have to you have to it's going to be reduced tickets. And I was looking and actually actually usually it takes hours and hours and hours to trawl through the a to z of shows what's on at, at the international fringe festival this year it didn't take me so long and i read a couple of reviews and they said the one to one of the ones to go and watch is this is this particular show and I'd who seen told it. you this well there's several reviews <laughs> several, <laughs> several there's sales agent <laughs> several reviews in uh, several reviews in uh, some of the some of the most respected newspapers, not only in Scotland but in in the UK. Daily Mail. Yeah, what do you want? A beer. Yo, Chris, can we order something uh, booze-wise? Yeah, uh, what do you two boys want? Do you have any Peronis? Yeah, we got. Them. Yes, I'll have a Peroni, please. Uh, I don't want another Aspergers. Uh, what do I want? Also Peroni. Yeah, Peroni. Can I get a glass of white wine? Can we do two Peronis and a glass of white wine? Yeah, the Yeah, why not? Thanks, mate. Perfect. So, yes. I told myself I wouldn't drink that much this week, but it's Thursday night, so, so anything goes. Out. Yeah, <laughs> forget that. We are speaking of Edinburgh in the Fringe, uh, specifically, most student housing is only a, a nine or ten month. Sorry, it's a ten or eleven month contract essentially. So for most students, that's slightly better because you don't pay the full year while you're away on holiday. Except. <laughs> Just, sorry for the guys who couldn't see that because we don't have a camera yet. That was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I bought Wait, I bought three tripods so I can put my DSLR in two cameras. <laughs> oh well, who do we have here? <laughs> hey guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. Sorry. Yes. Uh, sorry. Dog walked in. Uh, but yeah. Um, so in Edinburgh, essentially, most landlords ask you to vacate the property by August, and they rent out the property to fringe performers. The funny thing, though, you'll see is usually that um, when you're there, if you visit your flat in August, your bedroom will be filled. Instead of having one bed there, there'll probably be like 12 single beds. Yeah, with a bunch of foreigners. Exactly. <laughs> Bloody hell. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, it's very typical to get a standard ni- nine-month lease from uh, January through till July or whatever, or ni- nine months of the year. Yeah. You can't... 
getting a 12-month contract is uh, is pretty difficult because yeah. everybody wants to make huge amounts of profit in the exactly. one month of the year, yeah. which so, is August. So what do you think happened to all those people who, who, are, who are in one of these like university towns who bought property and thought, right, in 10, maybe 15 years, thank you, it's going to come all back in. And now suddenly they're two years maybe out of income because they're struggling to meet demand, or at least for one um, year. Um, because for, for a lot of universities, Edinburgh University, actually, funnily enough, I believe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not sure it was Edinburgh, but I think they actually asked students to come in just in case. So oh, okay. they had to stay on the uh, on campus, in spite of everything. Thank you, got, Chris. They were, they were, thank you, Chris. Uh, they weren't allowed out of the rooms or possibly out of the rooms. They were allowed in their flat units. But they weren't they went allowed to, out of the yeah. rooms. <laughs> oh, there's, there's been cases no, where no, they, were, honestly, they weren't allowed out of their rooms. Honestly, there were some yeah. students that were locked up, yeah, locked up in their dormitories. If, if, if you had COVID, you couldn't even leave your room. And they would give you, they would send food just outside the door. Except if you had a meal requirement, they often wouldn't check. So I think I think there was one case where uh, um, the girl, she was Muslim, and she asked for, uh, and the lunch halal. was a sandwich, yeah. so a halal meal. The sandwich she got was a ham sandwich. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Tastes delicious. <laughs> Cheers, by the way, boys. Happy Post. Thursday, everybody. Don't you, dude? Isn't it fun doing that yeah. podcast stuff? Yeah, it is. But yeah, um, essentially Edinburgh just made you stay, stay there, and a lot of unis just made you pay for it regardless. So one of one of one of the things that I noticed this year is that, and this is probably an indication that the fringe will be less international this year because there's less people able to come and travel. Is the prices are still significantly increased, but instead of tenfold, they're like for example fourfold or threefold. Yeah. So what would usually be typically in the down season would cost like a you can edinburgh is a is a fantastic city for those who haven't been and very affordable um it's just most the month of the of, most of the time it's just the month of august when the festival's there that the prices significantly increase not just food and alcohol but especially accommodation uh far and few between airbnbs that are out there you can get airbnbs that cost a grand a night plus they would usually be you know, but these these are very nice properties, yeah. but, but would even, usually even be your, two three hundred. Even your worst properties that are sort of in the middle of bumfuck yeah. nowhere, you're, you're going to get for two hundred quid a night. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and wait, they, wait, they, so these are these Airbnb properties that used to be student accommodations, or no, are they no, no, just no. these Airbnb may have properties. been student properties, but they may just be people renting out their own homes while they're away but on holiday. The, there was almost like a wasn't the UK almost had like a ban on traveling or the traveling was so low so who's renting out these places? No one. Oh not this year, yeah. This is I'm talking year. about like yeah. a perspective of a year, right? If yeah. you got a mortgage, you yeah. still have to make payments yeah, on that exactly. mortgage, yeah. right? Yeah. And then if, if in ca for example if you're a cab driver, a lot, a lot you own a house, uh, no, you're a double screwed. No, a lot of people did uh, a lot of banks did mortgage uh, freezes, didn't they? Yeah. They did mortgage refusals. Oh, freezes. Yeah, so payment freezes for a period of time. If you, if you could prove you couldn't pay, then that's... But yes, as you said, cab drivers double-screwed because as our, our, a lot of gig economy workers did not get their... Um, so I heard what, what, what you... So I was talking to a cab yeah. driver and he was telling me about this um, mortgage freeze. Yeah. And he said um, that his... He was he was locked in at an interest rate of around I want to say three or four percent. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. Not amazing. That's pretty about good. standard. Yeah. And he was telling me that he the bank said we would we would be willing to freeze the mortgage for I think somewhere like between six to eight months. Yeah. However, uh, the interest rate would go from whatever it was four six uh, to almost nine. Oof. <laughs> oh. yeah. and so that's what you call a variable rate i guess so yeah i mean well, that's, that was yeah. not even variable rate because it, 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 that's not market yeah. market variability yeah, it's that's a just solid eight percent above market exactly so he was he was saying it was it was un unbelievable and, yeah, and they're sort of locked in you can't you can't not Pay. Well, yeah, you can you can sell the property yeah, if course. you're lucky and try to buy yourself out, or you can. Yeah. I don't. No, in the UK you can't declare uh, uh, bankruptcy on private on on. Uh, I'm not sure. No, I don't think yeah. so. I don't think you can declare privacy on on uh, on yourself, like in the US. No, I don't think you can. At least I've never really seen it being done. I believe it's American. It's an American yeah. thing. Well, you can declare pr uh, uh, bankruptcy here in the UK if you're a company owner. Oh yeah, of course. But I think you you still have to have some sort of payments that have to then be readjusted. I don't think it's as simple as in the U.S. 
Robin is out of his water, out of his depth. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, I'm just thinking, it's, uh, I'm thinking if, if I can give any examples of anybody in this country personally declaring bankruptcy publicly, and I can't, I can't oh. think of any. Wait, do you think there's like a shame factor? No, I just, no, I'm, no, just, just I'm just trying to think if, if it's yeah. a, if it's as, as big, if it's a, as big a thing here as is in the U.S. Because you hear it, you hear it often in the U.S. Someone's, it's what they call it filing for bankruptcy. I've not heard that much in the, in the, in the media here in the U.K. Well, there's a lot of different formats. Apart from formats. companies. The companies, yes, but individuals. There's a lot of different formats of, of bankruptcy in general. Just, yep, you can checking now. You can file for, like, uh, Action 11 or whatever it's called. There's a whole bunch of different things you can do. 11 chapter is the most common one. That's what people got so upset with, with Trump, saying that he, he was... He, you can uh, you can possibly do it if you have owned a business in the previous three years, but you... You need to be something like a solicitor, accountant, an estate agent. But remember, a lot of these people just incorporate themselves for tax reasons. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So they they would be an organization as seen by in through the eyes of the law. Well, we have such an odd fascination fascination with with fascination. Oh, fascination. Sorry about owning property in general. I think if if you're looking on just making an ROI, you're better off buying an R like any Warhol or, or anything like that because that typically uh, it beats footsie yeah it, it, it even yeah. beats uh, 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 general ETFs yeah of course there you need a bigger barrier to entry whereas is it though homes, it's 80k yeah but you're gonna get a loan and you only have to put an 8k right if you had a house that you were looking to buy there That's if, for a lot of people here who'd be buying outside of London right a lot of homes once you get further north they may not even be that 200 uh, they may not be more than 200 300k so you'd only have to put up 20 30k i'm sure you can get you can get i don't you can get a loan i don't think it would be considered a mortgage yeah. i think the percentage would be definitely yeah. higher than yeah. four or six yeah you can always find a predatory lender right i don't even go that far yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with 30 percent or something ridiculous like that but I, I think you can. Alright, geezer, I can get you a banging deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 30. Samaladus. Yeah, 30% a year, mate. You're unemployed, even better. <laughs> 30%, I think they'd be happy with that. They'd be like, yeah, mate. 600%. Jesus <laughs> in, Christ. In all, in, all, in all seriousness, that's what payday is, loans are, aren't they? Payday loans are like 120% or something. If, if that's like the that. case, if you if some loan shark got you, like, I mean, at that point, I mean, that's extortion. You yeah. should just get into your van, take your family, and fucking drive north. Live Go, in a caravan. Get, get out of there. <laughs> hey, Olympic athletes do it, you know? Get out of there. Get out of there as quickly as you can. But, I mean, we, we talked a lot about the move away from urban centers in 2020 so in the states yeah. people were moving out of cities like new york and moving upstate yeah people were going to uh and the, and the, where, where there are, for example austin austin texas big tech car people have lots of lots of stuff going on there people have moved there you know places like uh san diego places like uh Eddie's showing me something currently. It's specifically the payday loans sort of uh, interest rate. For three to twelve months, it's thriving with some lenders charging well over a thousand percent frequently <laughs> on the <laughs> lowest income and unable to borrow from traditional banks. I don't know what the word it, traditional banks mean. Uh, anyone, <laughs> someone. No, but wouldn't it just be yeah. banks? Why do you have to put like? This is your mate. Yeah. <laughs> oh, traditional banks. Yeah. Traditional <laughs> banks would be like your old ones. I think non-traditional banks would be these payday loans that's what i'm saying why would you, they're not banks though <laughs> they're, they're loan sharks yeah, well, it depends on the law on my ass i, I can't just start a bank i can't even say that i'm sure you'd get prosecuted if i just say i'm a bank you're not fda approved but you're, you're happy to steal someone's money no fda sorry FCA. You're not FCA approved. You you just stole money. You don't offer them any sort of protection, but you somehow promise. Yeah, you offer interest rate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those guys offer protection as well, but on a higher interest. <laughs> no, as in, uh, if, if you invest, if you keep your money in a traditional bank here, I believe you're covered up to 65k or something like that. On this, on the subject of of of, of ridic ridiculous stuff, um, have you guys seen the Stoic app? Can't say I have Stoic. It's, it's a this it's a trading bot that deals with cryptocurrency 
and the buy-in is a thousand dollars and they promise returns of up to a thousand percent you've got to have a very smart ai to be able to trade in that way i haven't i oh, i've looked through the reviews i've done like good background research yeah. and i haven't seen anyone come out positive <laughs> i've just heard people saying hey i put a thousand dollars in i lost a thousand dollars full disclosure none of us are offering any financial advice here and take what we say but, as absolutely. but we, we, pure... may, we may just say probably don't invest in stoic yeah i would i would i would go as far as a limb to say if you're not you, you might get better return on your money by just play it safe drugs. yeah just play buy, safe. buy drugs and you probably at least you're happier instead of giving money to someone and getting nothing out of it in this case at least you know you have a good time yeah, <laughs> yeah. go go buy an andy warhol that's my recommendation that's my financial recommendation you could buy an, uh, you could buy an nft version of an andy warhol even better yeah that that's we had this discussion on the last podcast on, yeah. uh, on oh, nfts so yeah. by the way i was not here for the last podcast well, extreme extreme yeah extreme you, well, it's not my fault you didn't listen sweet, in man sweet serendipity yeah exactly so what's your opinion on the nft business i think that it's uh for for now uh it's going to be a very interesting few years i'm personally the opinion it's a bit smoke and mirrors i'd much rather personally own an actual physical physical object, object than a bunch of um bunch of hash hashes and uh code on a on a system that gives me the right to, to own something i mean no guarantee if that nft product uh, company that the one that verifies it as there are multiple companies if i'm not wrong if that one goes bankrupt or just randomly shutters, you have no you have no way of proving. Well, this is the interesting ownership. thing. The weirdest thing I've heard of NFTs as a comparison to was as IP. Yeah. And I I don't understand that concept. I don't understand how you can have a physical painting and then say you earn a digital copyright of it. So wait. Yeah. Like what? Well, like what if if you buy the Mona Lisa's digital copyright? What? What does that exactly entitle you to? I if think you it's stop anyone using it as a meat. No, you just say you own it, and that's it. You can't. You don't have copyright of it, right? You don't. You can't charge anyone for using the, it. I, I believe that. I believe that blockchain is here for the is here. To that's stay. such a marketing word, blockchain. Of course. No one knows what it really does or really is, yeah, except like a, a handful have, of people yeah, who actually know I've how to got, use it. We've got, we've got a friend, and we won't mention him by name, Justin Ghost, but he's. He's uh, he's Emma. he has a blockchain-based startup, and he will not. Uh, he he said he didn't even need to use it for his company. He just basically used it because people invest in blockchain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a buzzword. It is a big buzzword, yeah. and you'll see it. You'll see. You'll see it will. Uh, supposedly, it's going to revolutionize the banking system and cut out lots of uh, middlemen and. Im- it's going to cut out red tape. That's what's going to yeah, cut it, out. It will do. It will because do. it's harder to track that financial transactions and movements. That's why. <laughs> oh shit! It's really that late. Uh, well, Time guys, it's, having fun. Absolutely, it's been an absolute pleasure, and uh, we'll have these two on, it, possibly later tonight or uh, not. We'll yeah, see. Yeah. Brilliant. Thanks so much, guys, and it's a pleasure. Thanks. Pleasure pleasure being here. Thank you, Michael.